Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 27 of the Australian Hiker podcast. This is the second in a series of podcasts on transitioning to overnight hiking. And in this episode, we go through and record a short overnight trip uh, to a site called the Northern Campground in the city of Canberra. This is a, um, an ideal site for people to transition to from day hikes to overnight hikes because it's a site that can be easily done as a day trip uh, but it's also got good facilities and, and it's easy to find. So it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a good little site to, to pick as a first off uh, overnight hike. For those of you that are already experienced overnight hikers, you may want to listen to this out of general interest. This, uh, this podcast is aimed at people who have never camped before. While this podcast specifically relates to the Northern Campground hike, uh, the actual process that we go through on this hike is, uh, can be transferred to anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world for that matter. Please listen to this podcast in conjunction with episode 26. Read the Northern Campground Review, which will have a series of images and photos of what we went through and saw on the hike, as well as the written article, uh, which will give you a bit more in-depth detail and allow you to print, uh, print the article out if you're going through and looking at planning your hike. So this podcast is really about um, getting you to think about the sorts of things that you might experience along the way. Uh, there isn't one list of things that you absolutely must do, that you must consider. There's no definitive list. It's really about working out what's going to suit the circumstances, suit you and the people that you're going to be hiking with, and for you to work out your own plan and for you to hike that plan. So um, we hope that you're going to enjoy this podcast. Uh, we certainly had a little bit of a fun, even though it was a small hike and it was quite short from uh, in relation to the experiences that we've had, certainly recently, um, but definitely worthwhile. So we're hopeful that you, you get some value out of it as well. It's uh, 3.20 on Saturday. Uh, we're just here at the car park at Mulligan's Flat, uh, just getting ready to go for our walk. This podcast is designed to take you through a typical overnight hike, uh, just to show you what's involved or to, or to talk to you about what's involved. Uh, so we'll go through and record uh, our short journey to the campsite, uh, go through and explain setting up and, and choosing sites, uh, and um, then the return trip eventually tomorrow uh, when we come back. The trip up to the northern campground is approximately three kilometres. Uh, not a particularly long trip. Um, as we've discussed in the previous podcast and in the article on um, transitioning from 
day hiking to overnight hiking, the ideal is to actually do a site that you've done before, either as a day hike uh, or done with somebody else. So for us, I've camped at this uh, campground we're going to tonight, uh, and both Jill and I have walked to it as well. So we're familiar with it, we know how to get there. Uh, that minimises what we need to be able to go through and do. Yeah, and uh, it's a short drive for us for from home, and... Um I guess it just highlights the opportunity that you have. You don't have to, you know, book out an entire weekend. Uh, we'll do an afternoon and a morning uh, and an overnight camp. And uh, we've got out of the city and we've experienced some things a little bit different. Um, so for those who are thinking, oh, it's a you know, bit of an effort and uh, I don't have the time, uh, I, I think, you know, the, there are all sorts of very close, um, short hikes and camping opportunities for people. So take advantage of them. As we've mentioned in the previous podcast uh, and the written article, these the, the two podcasts and the written article are all linked. If you go to the trail review on this uh, uh, this short trip, uh, we'll go through what we're describing on the uh, on the podcast we'll have photos for you uh, to, to show you what's there that's all for now as mentioned it's only relatively early in the afternoon but if you're camping for the first time you don't want to get to the campsite when it's dark you want to get there early enough that you can set up it's nice and light uh, you don't have to try and find your way in the dark to to pick out the good campsites so it, it's always helpful if you can if you can make it to new sites particularly when you're first starting off camping uh, while you've still got plenty of light to deal with and for me, the whole point about being outdoors is so you really take notice of the sunset and the sunrise. So, you know, you want to be able to sit back and um, enjoy the moment uh, rather than, you know, be rushing to the site or scrambling to um, p put your, your pitch your tent um, when the sun's actually going down. One thing we, we discussed as well in the um, in the previous podcast was uh, looking at the weather conditions and tonight's weather is forecast to be sort of around about four to five degrees which is actually reasonably warm for, for Canberra at this time of the year. Um, we, we have had minus temperatures already so far this uh, this year uh, and um, uh, we were forecast to have showers today and rain tomorrow. Uh, it looks like that's held off. We might get a shower tomorrow morning but I think we're going to be lucky. Certainly we have the equipment that if it does rain uh, we're going to be comfortable and dry overnight but um, it's looking like we're going to have a we're going to be lucky and have a good night out of it. The uh, first part of this walk is uh, uh, through an open paddock grassy paddock uh, on a uh, probably an access road is probably the best way to describe it it's not a particularly formed road but you can set, definitely see the wheel tracks uh, and you're walking up towards the uh, the crest of the hill uh, which is probably around about uh, a kilometre away in total. Um, we've got the houses over on towards the left of us, um, the suburbs of Bonner and Ford. Uh, so we really are on the outskirts of town, although the actual campground we're going to tonight um, is probably around about uh, uh, almost two kilometres away from the houses itself. So uh, we're far enough away that uh, you tend not to hear any noise from the, uh, uh, the actual suburbs themselves. 
we're probably only around about um, 800 metres from the car park. There's a small dam we're just coming past, which has got a bit of water in it. But there's probably around about 50 or 60 kangaroos, uh, some just resting, some grazing. And they're obviously used to, uh, to having people around because this is a, a fairly well-used walking track in this part of town. Um, but it's... Uh, uh, it's probably the biggest number of can kangaroos I've seen this close to the city. Uh, you always see them around, but as I said, you know, it's probably 50 to 60 here, which is which is quite a big number. The uh, walk itself is uh, a steady incline, pretty much all the way to the top of the the ridge we're heading to. Um, but we've just started to climb. Uh, for uh, you know, it's, a, it's starting to be a noticeable climb now. Not particularly steep, um, but uh, certainly it's it's a bit more noticeable with a with a pack on. But I think the main thing with uh, doing particularly a, a first time hiker or walk, as we've mentioned in the previous podcast, is is picking somewhere where you're familiar with, picking somewhere that's relatively easy. Uh, you don't want to do a a 20 kilometre walk into a site. Uh, and then have to work out how to how the camping process works, uh, and then have to walk out the next day. So doing a nice sort of short walk like this one is a good way to go. Speed-wise, um, again, there's uh, there's no need to go overly fast with this. You know, let's walk at a, a pace that's comfortable for you. Um, currently, well, I'm puffing a bit because I'm trying to talk and walk at the same time, which is a bit hard. Um, but uh, uh, here we go, here's another, there'd probably be another 40 or 50 kangaroos. So there's, there's quite a large, large number of kangaroos. They all seem to be congregating around the, the small partially filled dams in the area, obviously to get water. Um, I, know, I know from where we live, we live in sort of the centre of Canberra. A lot of the kangaroos will come off Mount Ainsley in the wintertime uh, when the food gets a bit scarce. They come down onto the nice green manicured lawns in the suburbs. So it's not unusual to see, go out in the morning and find a kangaroo on your lawn or the neighbour's lawn. So as I said, you know, this, uh, this sort of pace is uh, not unreasonable. Um, you know, uh, three to four kilometres an hour is quite a gentle sort of pace, even with a pack on. Um, and if you walk slower than that or faster than that, it really doesn't matter. It's what's com what you're comfortable with and what your fitness level allows. And I think this is where uh, your packing selection uh, becomes an issue. You can certainly bring as much as you like. You can be as comfortable as you like. Um, but every, every piece of equipment, every piece of food you carry is additional weight. Uh, and if you're happy with carrying that, that's not a problem. Uh, but certainly... Uh, on the more difficult, more complex sort of walks, you will notice the additional weight in the pack. Now we started our walk on the Golden Sun Moth Trail. Uh, that trail veers off towards the left, uh, and we've taken the continuing to go on the road, which is up towards the right. Getting, uh, in fact, this is probably one of the steepest sections. In fact, this is the steepest section we have today. It's only around about 100 metres ascent but we are picking up probably around about uh, 70 meters in uh, in height uh, so again uh, trying to talk and walk is a is a bit tiring um, but when we reach the top we actually connect back in with the Canberra Centenary, Centenary Trail 
um, which actually loops around the end of this valley and follows the border between uh, the Australian Capital Territory and, uh, and New South Wales. We have just reached the uh, pretty much the top of the hill. We've got a tiny bit of uh, incline left to go. Uh, we're now joined back onto the Canberra Centennial tra Centenary Trail, uh, and uh, we've got to go through and uh, uh, access the other side of the fence by climbing through the hole in the gate. Unfortunately, these these holes are designed for day hikers or cyclists, not people that have large packs on their back. And even in my pack, which is relatively small, I sort of have to squeeze myself through the gap in the fence. Um, but yeah, once you once you sort of hit the top of the hill and you see the Centenary Trail sign, you know you're uh, you know you're going on the right 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 spot. They've also got a um, a counter up here as well, uh, monitoring uh, numbers of people that are going through. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what. Uh, what sort of numbers of people do actually use this trail and there are a lot of day walkers and a lot of uh, a lot of cyclists uh, this is a very popular cycling trail we're now walking along the ridge line um, uh, above above uh, the suburbs uh, probably from it's around about uh, probably sort of seven or eight hundred meters worth of walk um, but it sort of brings home you've got the suburbs down below but I'm just looking at a hill of a couple of hundred sheep. Uh, there are working farms around here, uh, which still exist and still back onto the suburb areas. So it's um, there are signs in a number of the areas saying uh, keep to the trail. Uh, it's um, it is private property, uh, so um, you really have. Uh, it's a very obvious trail. Uh, there's enough signposts that point the way. Uh, and again, it's a it's a well-worn track, so you know where you're going. One thing they've done over the last few months, and I noticed this uh, when I did the Canberra two-day walk uh, in April, is they've gone through and regraded sections of the trail, uh, and partly it's to divert the water so the trail doesn't erode, but it's been done in such a way to suit cyclists. So there's uh, a number of... Uh, humps in the middle of the trail um, and you know there's uh, it's more than just a, a water diversion it's to so cyclists down and also to give them a bit of something to to do rather than traveling on flat trail um, but it's a bit annoying when they when you get these large large mounds of earth in the trail that you've got to go over Just standing at Oak Hill, uh, so named after an oak tree that once grew here. Uh, so it's 796 metres above sea level, and it's on the board, uh, on the ACT boundary. So the fence line, uh, which I've, I've got showing a picture of the uh, private property sign, is actually the border between New South Wales and ACT. So we're looking down the hill, looking down the hill towards um, the suburbs, over towards. Uh, uh, Black Mountain in the distance um, and you can actually see Woden which is the next valley over uh, with the Brindabella Mountains behind. Uh, quite good view particularly for, for, for this close to the suburb and again Canberra is called the bush capital and it is so for a reason. 
in a little while we'll start heading back down the uh, the hill in towards the uh, the campsite itself. We've had a few people pass us, day walkers. We've got a few more coming up ahead of us. Uh, we can hear them. Uh, so it's uh, uh, um, it's uh, again a very popular walk, uh, and it's a good little short walk with some good views. So we're walking down towards the campground now. Uh, we're on the other side of the ridge line, and we've gone into a different valley. Uh, not a huge valley, but certainly it's uh, we're on the other side of the hill, uh, and we've lost all sight of, uh, of residential uh, suburban areas. Uh, so we're now into uh, bush and farm area. Uh, I can just see the, uh, the the campground through the uh, through the trees down in the distance and it looks like there's uh, there's some people down there um, it's going to be interesting I think we must be the only people that ever pay for this campground it is a booking fee there is a camping fee that you go online to pay it's only about $4.10 per person but I think that uh, people just never bother to use it they're not aware of it um, and I don't think the rangers ever enforce it so it's almost a um, whether it's in the intent or not it's almost like an honour system and you pay if you pay and you don't, you don't. Uh, one of the reasons for the, uh, the booking system is to make sure the, uh, the campground's not overloaded. There is a toilet here, toilet facilities. Uh, there are some shelters, there's water. And you know, if you ended up getting more than 30 people, which is the maximum you can get uh, staying here at any one time, uh, it would, uh, would be very difficult. Uh, there wouldn't be enough resources. Um, just standing here on the trail, there's a very large male kangaroo just hopping across the trail. No, he was, he was pushing his chest out to frighten us, and that certainly frightened me. Um, and again, there's probably around about um, 10 or 11 kangaroos on either side of the trail. Um, uh, they're, uh, they're basically in between fence lines, so uh, while they can get over the fences, I think they're going to go along the trail for the moment. Um, and I'll see if I can get a picture of this big male um, before he hops away. Nope, he's, he's gone down the trail. So it's going to be interesting because he'll end up down in the campground uh, because that's where this fence line comes out. Um, and there's plenty of grassy area down there, but uh, I don't think that's probably his intent. So that kangaroo we just saw managed to leap over a 1.2 meter fence quite easily um, going uphill um, but we're just coming down through a, a an area that's been signposted as being steep and it's a warning for cyclists and, and, and walkers it's probably more an issue for cyclists if you came down here fairly fast you've got a very sharp left hand turn as you get down towards the bottom uh, and um, it uh, if you were coming down here with a bit of speed, you'd end up either hitting the sign, hitting the tree next to it, or hitting the fence. Uh, there's no way knowing you could you could actually stop at any any particular speed coming down here. So if you do see the sign and you're on a, on a push bike, uh, definitely slow down. So we're just uh, coming to this last little hairpin bend, uh, and we've got the actual northern campground, uh, probably around about 30 or 40 metres in front of us. Um, as we go through a series of uh, just a, uh, an open gate. The, um, the campground itself consists of, and again, it's probably, probably not the best way to describe it, but it's a, a large shelter with a table and a tent platform uh, with a water tank. Um, 
and this is where I stayed uh, when I was doing the centennial trail, a uh, centenary trail earlier this year. Um, it's a design, very nice design, but it's a rhomboid shape. So in other words, it's an off off center rectangle, uh, and our tent's a slightly longer tent to, uh, to cater for my height, uh, and as a result, it's not the best thing to uh, to put your uh, uh, put your, plat uh, your tent up on. So I think with, it was okay with me with one person because I could skew the tent uh, and I didn't have to worry about the fly because I was undercover. Uh, but uh, I think tonight we'll probably look at one of the other areas. In addition to that shelter, there's another shelter which is uh, just a, a lean-to roof, uh, same as the other one, uh, with a partition in the middle. Uh, so you can have a tent on either side, keep you out of the rain. Uh, and again, a water tank. Uh, and then there's a, uh, a toilet facility and some interpretive signage. So the actual paddock itself, that the or the campground itself, is a paddock that's probably around about, I'd say, 60 metres by probably 90 metres. Um, so it's quite a large area. So if you, you did want to get 30 hikers in here, even 30 single hikers, it's quite doable. Um, I don't know if there's ever been a situation where that number of people have actually been here at that sort of stage. Uh, so, from a point of view of, you know, this is your first night camping, uh, you've come to this campground, you may or may not have seen pictures of it, and, and certainly I've seen pictures online, but it's, it doesn't really do justice to the site itself. So, um, the thing you want to do is go through, just put your gear down, um, have a look at the area uh, and work out where you're going to go through and camp. Now a lot of the paddock itself is uh, uh, on a bit of a slope and while that's not a real issue you definitely don't want to have a slope across the tent otherwise you tend to end up sliding into the side of the tent or sliding into your sleeping partner uh, or you're sliding down the tent which is preferable uh, but it's still you want to try and get as flat a, a situation as possible. So certainly the um, the campsites, if you've got a freestanding tent, you could always put it up underneath the shelter uh, and not have to worry about um, having the, uh, the vestibules uh, opened out because really you're not going uh, to get wet. Um, you've got the, two, the other shelter, which has got two campsites or two, uh, a campsite either side of the, um, the metal barrier. Um, nice flat sort of areas uh, on crushed granite, so it's a good area and you can camp just off those there's also some flat grassy areas as well so it's worthwhile having a look at the areas working out where is at least flat uh, and potentially sheltered there's not a lot of trees there are certainly are trees and they're not particularly large uh, gum trees around this area uh, they've been planted as part of this uh, this complex uh, and there's some some wattle trees some juvenile wattle trees along the fence line um, but if you do camp in areas that have large trees, uh, and certainly we, uh, we quite regularly camp in the Bimbury Wilderness, and particularly if there's any sort of rain, it's not unusual to hear large trees collapsing and falling down at night time from the weight of the water on the, the brittle structure of the dead trees. So have a look up above your site. If you've picked a site, have a look up above you. If there's dead branches or, and again, not tiny little branches, but if there's dead large branches, you've got to assume that if they get a bit of wind or a bit of rain, they could come down. Uh, so you'd want to make sure that they're not going to come down on your tent. So if you're going to camp underneath a tree, make sure you actually um, 
pick a tree that's uh, healthy and strong and that doesn't have limbs that are likely to come through. In most cases, it's probably better to camp near a tree uh, to give a bit of shelter and protection, but not straight underneath it. Large shrubs tend to be fine. So just on the pitching a tent and uh, where to do it, um, it is okay to do it where the ground isn't exactly level, um, but do bear in mind that uh, you don't want the blood rushing to your head. So um, if you have to go downhill, then go downhill with your feet downhill rather than your head downhill. Okay, as I said, um, there's two water tanks over here. Um, so... Um, you you can certainly drink this water, although the signs on here actually have a, a sign saying rainwater, do not drink. Now, I always carry a, a water filter by habit. I've had Giada here in the past when I was traveling through India, uh, and it's not something I wish to repeat. So I tend to be, uh, I'll either boil the water first or I'll um, uh, go through and um, uh, use a filter. Uh, we've certainly bought... Um, roughly about two litres of water each, uh, which, you know, the, the short walk we've just gone through and had didn't take us particularly long. Um, total of 3.5 kilometres overall, uh, and uh, we're at an, ele an elevation of 724 metres. Um, sorry, so we're at a... Um, the overall trip itself was 3.09 kilometres, so it's pretty spot on what the distance was supposed to be. Uh, we're doing an average speed for the walk around about three and a half kilometres, and that for us was a pretty cruisy sort of walk. Um, so it's currently um, uh, it's currently 4:24. Uh, so it took us roughly an hour to get here, and that was doing a lot of talking and and taking photos as well. So again, speed's not a particular issue. You walk walk the speed that's comfortable for you. The um, uh, so yeah, as far as water is concerned. Um, it's up to you, but I would recommend filtering just to be on the safe side. And I think as a matter of course with all these water tanks, they put the warning signs on there just to cover themselves in case something does go wrong. Um, it is rainwater. Um, we are in rural areas. They, uh, they could have been spraying. So you never know what's actually in the water itself. So it's better, better to be safe than sorry. Toilet facility is actually a disabled toilet as well. Uh, mind you, I think you're doing well if you can get a wheelchair on this track, uh, but they've put a disabled to a toilet out here. Um, and it's, um, it's quite, quite a good uh, complex. Uh, it's fairly sheltered and windproof, uh, but it's the, what they class as the long drop or the composting toilets. Um, so it's, um, there normally is always toilet paper out here, but I would recommend never rely on having toilet paper provided. Um, the time you do that and the time you urgently need toilet paper is the time that it's not here. So we're going to go through and work out where we're going to put our tent. Uh, we'll get set up uh, while it's still nice and light uh, and then we'll come back and have a bit of a chat. It's 5.06pm. Uh, a uh, bit of cloud cover around um, and as I said there's, it's, there's due forecast for rain uh, we're supposed to be showers later today and, and rain tomorrow, um, but the, the cloud cover is certainly moving in. So it's gotten—it's um, not dark yet, but it's—it's—it's it's, it's certainly getting darker uh, a bit earlier than we would have thought. 
Uh, currently it's 5.8 degrees, feels like 4.8. Uh, we do have good phone signal on this trip, so phone works quite comfortably. If you need to contact anybody, it's, uh, it's quite easy to do. Um, so um, originally I thought when we were coming down the hill that there were other people here, but it turns out it wasn't the case. It was just the, the angle that looked, looked very busy underneath the shelters. It was just the angle of the shelters. Uh, and as I mentioned, one of the, the advantages about getting to a campsite early, particularly when you're first starting out camping, is to find your way around. Um, so we've gone through and set up the tent. Uh, we're starting to uh, boil the water for a cup of tea. Uh, and we'll do dinner after that. Uh, it's going to be an early dinner. Um, but um, uh, well, certainly we've got some snacks and things to have first, so you know, dinner will probably be be an hour, uh, which is probably normal normally shorter dinner time for us. We tend to be early eaters. Um, as I said, one of the issues about uh, getting here early while it still is light, so we've managed to pick um, pick a campsite. We're underneath the shelter. We have put the fly on, which is probably not necessary. Uh, certainly, we're not going to get rain, uh, but um, the forecast tonight is for cool weather. Um, we uh, we're likely to um, get down, if not to zero degrees, uh, depending on what this cloud cover does. Uh, I think the forecast is for four. Um, but given that we're at 5.8 degrees now, I think we are likely to get a bit colder. Uh, and the flyer will just keep a bit more warmth in the tent. Um, one of the things with the water tanks out here, there's two water tanks which have got good rainwater in them. One of them's got a normal tap, a garden tap you'd be used to. The other one's got a, a more industrial tap on it. So there's no way you could really fill a water tank. Uh, uh, bottle out of it uh, <coughs> not without wasting a lot of water at least anyway um, so that's one of the things if you came here when it was dark you may not realize that and check the other water tank to find out it's got a decent sort of uh, a tap on it we've set the tent up uh, all those sleeping bags are in there all those sleeping gears ready to go um, so pretty much um, uh, whenever we decide to go to bed um, it won't be too much of an issue Sitting here, um, even sort of at, at the time it is now, having been walking, we were reasonably warm. Now we've stopped walking, you, you cool down quite a lot. And as the air temperature drops, uh, particularly at this time of the year when you're getting a lot of moisture in the air, um, it gets cool, cool quite quickly. Um, so you do need to make sure you've got enough clothing to keep you warm uh, uh, into the night. So I've gone through and put a, a buff on. I tend not to use hats, I tend to use buffs to keep my head warm. Uh, and I've also gone through and put on uh, my lightweight puffy jacket. Um, I've got additional layers. I've got um, uh, a second top to go underneath my jacket and if need be a rain top. Uh, and that'll keep me warm down to about minus 7 degrees, which is not going to be an issue tonight. Uh, in addition, I've got a pair of long johns as well. So um, really, uh, temperature wise, it shouldn't be too much of an issue. The mosquitoes are as bad out here as I remember them to be. Uh, not a, there's not a huge number, but they're certainly around. Um, and um, you, so you wouldn't necessarily want to sleep without a tent. Uh, and as uh, if you listen to um, my podcast on the Centenary Trail, um, last time I was out here, I woke up and had a, a very large spider two inches my face. And it took me a little while to realise that it was actually on the outside of the tent. So there is... Uh, creepy crawlies that wander around through here and I'm not a big fan of what they call cowboy camping which is just throwing your, your mat on the ground and sleeping on the on the ground in a sleeping bag even, even under a shelter. 
So, yeah, as Tim said, it's it's getting a little bit cool. Um, uh, five degrees in at the end of the day in anyone's language is cool. Um, Tim's put his lightweight puffer jacket on. I've put my heavyweight puffer jacket on. Um, partly to see, I don't have a lot um, of layers underneath it, so partly to see uh, what I might need if it gets really, really cold um, and whether or not um, it can compensate for um, multiple layers, which I'm hoping it will. Um, it, I've had it for a long time. I haven't really used it very much, so decided I needed to um, uh, do a little bit of testing out overnight with it. Uh, we're about to have some cheese and biscuits and some lovely um, hummus dip that uh, Tim's made, uh, dehydrated, and now we've just rehydrated. So uh, that's good, and we'll have a cup of tea, and um, then we'll plan dinner. Um, we are using one of the um, slower stoves. Uh, we did a, a review in the podcast in the last episode. Um, so that might take us a little bit more time than uh, usual, uh, but hopefully it won't be too too long. One thing, if you have a look at the pictures that we've gone through and posted up of where we've set up, we do have our stuff spread out at the moment. And certainly you've got to be very conscious about if there are other hikers around that you don't take over the camping area. So again, listen to um, episode 24 on hiking etiquette. Um, you've got to be aware of that you know, when, you, when you're here by yourself or as a couple, uh, the place is yours. But you know, be prepared for other people to come through uh, and to be able to share. So you don't want to have every, at the moment we're using pretty much everything. Uh, so if someone were to come through, we'd need to move our stuff, uh, just to give them a bit of uh, room to do something with. Um, the the thing with getting here, as I said, getting here early, it, it gave us a chance to set up our tent. Uh, it gave us a chance to get all our food out, um, get it all ready. So we've got everything ready to go, and I've got a, a picture of that as well. Uh, so all we've really got to do is um, uh, go through and, and eat, basically, cut it up or cook or eat whatever we're doing with it. So... As Jill said, we've got some uh, some snacks and bits and pieces. For a long uh, hiking trip, so something like the Larapinta Trail or the Overhand Track or longer trips, um, the food I've got with us today is probably a bit of overkill. Uh, while I will bring hummus, um, I've certainly bought a, a glass jar full of um, um, uh, Maggie, beer, Maggie beer, tomato, salsa, chutney, um, and um, yeah, it is very good. Um, so that you know, bringing glass jars full of food, uh, food is 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 a bit of extra weight. But you know, this is only a short trip, so you can you can bring a few luxuries. Um, the other thing, as far as luxuries are concerned, is um, just because you're going camping doesn't mean you can't enjoy yourself. And I know a lot of people who camp will almost bring the kitchen sink uh they'll bring eggs they'll bring um uh all sorts of stuff to make meals and they'll cook from scratch and if that's what you like doing that's not a problem that's fine uh, for me it's it's I, I don't know i love my food but i just don't like spending the time cooking on the trail um i just i'd rather just rehydrate the water um and uh, uh and you know eat chocolates or uh, uh or whatever 
just to uh, get my, my or, or dried fruit uh, than ra rather than having all the extra weight in the pack. And you know, if, I'm, if I'm doing food for six or seven days, it adds up. But when you're doing food for a night or a, or a couple of nights, you can afford to be a bit more luxurious than what you bring. Um, but again, if you're happy to carry it, that's not a problem. But be, be aware that um, it does weigh something. Uh, so it's going to be always worthwhile. Go through and pack, see what you think you're going to need. Check the weight of the pack. If it feels too heavy, you might have to start jettisoning jettisoning thing. If you think it's too heavy, you might have to start jettisoning uh, some some extras. I know from um, doing the Lara Pinter Trail last year, almost without um, without fail, every hiker we came across bought way too much food, us included. Um, for us, that was the first two week long trip that people hadn't actually uh, we hadn't done as a group. Uh, and um, certainly having to, to guesstimate how much food we, we like to do, eat and want is always a very hard sort of thing. Um, and, and that's only something you gain with experience. Uh, you're not going to be able to judge that based on one or two nights camping. Uh, it's going to be something that's going to take a while to learn and it's individual to every person or every, every couple. Uh, and I know for us, we tend to... Um, uh, go through stages where we'll eat like certain foods, go off it, come back to, to liking those foods again. Uh, so you can't really have the same food every night or every day on the trail. So just while Tim was talking, I was looking around the campsite um, confirming uh, there isn't anywhere to leave rubbish here. So whatever it is that you uh, carry in, you need to carry out. And any rubbish you generate along the way you need to carry out as well with you so your leftover food scraps and um, packaging and so on so that's another consideration it's not just a matter of uh, whether or not you carry it in you've got to remember to take you have to take it out as well all right our, uh, our water's just about boiled so we're just going to have a cup of tea and our, our pre-dinner snacks um, so we'll come back to you a little later on when we start cooking dinner. It's just after six o'clock. Uh, we've just boiled our water for our uh, dehydrated meal. Uh, so we've just got it, uh, uh, our uh, tandoori chicken with creamy yogurt sauce uh, just rehydrating at the moment so for you know, roughly another 10 minutes um, weather sort of hasn't really gotten much colder than it was before uh, you know it's sort of I think it's probably plateaued out uh, and in fact if I have a look at the, the temperatures and see what it's telling me um, it's um, it's basically now still 5.8 degrees so it's pretty much stayed the same temperature it was uh, was an hour or so ago so it's stabilised um, so it looks like we might sort of get down to uh, forecast temperature of four and may not go much below that. Um, rain is forecast, a slight chance of forecast through the night, uh, and by seven o'clock it's about a 40% chance of rain, uh, and then by uh, um, by roughly uh, mid-morning, uh, around lunchtime, it's about a 50% chance of rain. So we'll, we'll certainly well be well and truly gone by that stage. Uh, realistically, it's going to take us uh, approximately uh, just under an hour to, to walk the three kilometres back to the car. Uh, so as soon as we've gotten up and had breakfast, uh, we'll pack up and, and head off. 
Um, certainly, there's a thing called Hiker Midnight, uh, and that's basically considered nine o'clock um, when uh, um, you know it's dark. Uh, you've got head torches, um, but you know you get to a point because it is dark, and you you know you don't have TV to watch, and um, you can only talk for so long. So you tend to go to bed early when you're camping. Um, and I know on the Larapinta Trail, I think the earliest we were in bed was about seven o'clock. Um, but um, I think um, you know, give it sort of seven thirty-ish, eight o'clock, we'll probably be in bed tonight. Um, just sort of sitting here, we can hear a car on the next door property. So we're surrounded by farms. So there's access roads. So a farmer's obviously going to trek stock. Uh, and there is actually a, um, a a road that runs along the uh, the boundary or the border of the New South Wales and ACT. So it could possibly be a ranger, but I must admit I've never actually seen a ranger out here. Uh, well, I'm sure they do come out. Yeah, so temperature has stabilised and uh, as Tim said, we're just waiting for our dinner. Um, I did take the liberty of bringing um, a puzzle book. Um, So while we might be tucked up in the tent uh, reasonably early, um, I'm quite happy to do my puzzles um, uh, well into the night or at least as as long as I can and, and without falling asleep into my puzzle um it's quite still at the moment we hear a um a cow every now and then um but other than the the vehicle that is moving away now um it is really quite still and quite um uh quite serene actually um you know quite calm uh, we've got a bit of ca- cloud cover. That's probably going to keep the temperature up a little bit overnight. Um, we can see the distant glow of uh, the city um, uh, on the on the through the sky. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be a nice night, and I think uh, uh, we might have a bit of a mixed bag in the morning. But we're under the shelter. I don't think there'll be too too many issues for us. One thing that we mentioned in the um, uh, in the previous episode was when you're pl- planning for gear, is to try and um, try and take gear that has multi purposes. So I don't actually uh, carry a pillow when I camp. I use a uh, a little um, a little dry bag uh, with all my extra clothes in there, and that forms my pillow, and it works quite well. So I'd rather sleep with that, and I sleep with it quite comfortably, uh, than. Um, than having to go through and carry extra weight, um, um, then, uh, then, then you know it's, it's really not necessary if you can get away with it. But as I said, if you're happy to carry it, uh, that's not a problem. Um, but you know if you can try and minimise the weight you carry, it's not an issue on the single overnight sort of trips. You can carry a bit of extra weight and get away with it. But when you're going for three, four, five days. And the weight of the food really starts adding up, where um, for us, we typically carry around about 700 grams per person per day of food, um, and, you know, and you add water to that, so it, it bulks up from there. Uh, but if you're carrying six to seven days worth of food, you know, you're up to um, uh, you know, over four kilos worth of food. 
uh, and some and that's for us. Some people carry carry more than that, um, and you know we've been lucky. It's it's a fairly mild time of the year. You don't have to carry a lot of water. There's plenty of water here. We knew that, but you might be camping in some areas where there is no water, and you've got to go through and carry carry enough to do you for the day in and for the day out as well. It's uh, ten past seven. We're actually in a tent in our sleeping bags. Jill's doing Sudoku on her puzzle book. I'm just lying here, and um, as little as I felt I did today, I've, uh, I'm really tired. I'm just about to fall asleep, so I had a, a few restless nights' sleep this week. So um, time to play catch up. Typically, only only sleep six six and a half hours a day. Uh, so um, I expect to be wide awake probably by about two o'clock and then I'll have to go back to sleep again. I think it's always worthwhile um, once you do a multi-day hike you get very tired and you sleep very easily but when you're doing just single overnight trips it's worthwhile bringing a deck of cards or bringing a, a puzzle book or bringing a book just to read even for a short period. Um, you know, if you're hiking as a large group, it's good. You can socialise, um, but uh, typically, if there's only a couple of you, you, know, you tend to tend to head head the the tent pretty early. Yeah, we tend to um, get settled and and get ready for the night. We don't necessarily go to sleep uh, that early, and um, you know, it's a nice opportunity to chat. Or as Tim says, I'm doing Sudoku and. And uh, thinking about tomorrow. Okay, so it's supposed to rain at, um, or be raining at around about um, 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, or there's a, at least a good chance of it. So certainly I think once we, uh, once we get up and going, we, we probably will, not too early, but we will leave early because by about 9, 9.30, there's about, about a 60% chance of rain. One thing I didn't mention is the temperature's actually gone up uh, with the cloud cover that's settled in. It was around about 5.5, 5.8 degrees earlier on today when we got here. Now it's gone up to around about 10.7, 10.8 degrees. So it's actually quite warm. I'm actually trying out a, a new sleeping bag at the moment. It's a 2 degree sleeping bag uh, and I was expecting to possibly be cold if it got down to sort of zero or minus two but I am a fairly warm sleeper so um, um, I'm quite toasty at the moment and I've still got the sleeping bag up to my waist okay that's all for us today and we'll talk to you tomorrow good morning it's um, Sunday morning 6.31 we're just sitting here boiling some water uh, wanting to have a cup of tea and we've got um, we actually have a, a pre-made porridge which we just soak overnight uh, so we don't have to cook any, any food just the, the tea and coffee um, reasonably warm la- night last night the temperature uh, has just gotten down to around about 9 degrees now but overnight it was pretty much 10 degrees most of the night and the apparent temperature, or the temperature that feels like, is 6.7. So it was quite warm. I must admit, I've got a, a relatively lightweight sleeping bag, uh, two-degree sleeping bag, and I woke up in, in the middle of the night, and my neck was sweating, so it was a bit warm. Um, overall, reasonably comfortable. Uh, but certainly for me, uh, one of the things you find 
is when you sleep in a new place, and this is whether it's a hotel or a different house or uh, you go from sleeping in a house to, to camping, you tend to have a restless night's sleep on the first night. Uh, and on longer multi-day trips, after a night or two, it, it, you just relax into it and it becomes quite quick, uh, quite easy to get to sleep. But, you know, the first night in a different place, you tend to have a bit of a, a fitful sleep, and we certainly did that last night. For me, I tend to average six, six and a half hours worth of sleep a night. So going to bed roughly at sort of seven thirty, eight o'clock last night, uh, I was well and truly awake by sort of 20 past three this morning. Um, I'm just trying to keep on dozing as best I could, but by sort of um, quarter past four, I was really wide awake. So I lay there for a few minutes longer than got up and had a bit of a wander around. So we're just waiting to uh, uh, for the sun to rise at the moment. Um, it is very overcast, very cloudy, uh, and as I said uh, earlier on in this re- this re- these recordings, that it is forecast to be about 60% chance of rain by later this morning. Uh, but so far it looks okay. I think uh, realistically uh, there's still a, enough clear sky around uh, that we can uh, we'll get out back to the car without getting wet. Last night was. Um, Almost a full moon. Full moon was the night before, so it was just starting to, to drop off. But um, certainly by sort of uh, 10 o'clock at night, it was uh, very bright um, as the moon was rising from the direction it was shining straight into our tent. Um, but that's okay. We, we knew that and we expected that. So uh, it was certainly quite bright when we had to get up in, in the middle of the night to go to, go to, the, go to the toilet. Um, one of the things we're going to be talking about layering in the next uh, next podcast after this one, um, and certainly as we start getting into the cooler time of the year, which is now, we, we could have potentially had zero or minus one, minus two on this weekend, uh, but we're lucky with that. Uh, but you've got to make sure that whatever clothing you bring along uh, will do you in a variety of situations. So while we were walking, just a single layer was quite quite good yesterday afternoon. But when you stop, that's when you start to cool down. And again, while we're sitting here just waiting for the kettle to boil, um, it's um, you start feeling it being a bit cool. Whereas if you start walking around, you warm up a bit. Uh, so you're better off having a series of layers that you can strip off rather than one thick, heavy layer that keeps you very warm. But as soon as it um, it becomes too hot, if you take it off, you then become cold. Uh, so we'll talk about that in in, the, in our next episode. Yeah, I agree with uh, what Tim was saying in terms of, um, you know, you need to get used to the tent uh, if you haven't been in the tent for a little while. Um, and even each campsite has its own set of noises and a set of things happening uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, for this one, it surprised me there wasn't a lot of wildlife around. Normally you hear a bit of activity and a bit of scratching and a bit of um, um, things happening. There, there wasn't a lot of that. There was a little bit more human wildlife let <laughs> just say like that uh, we had somebody who sounded as if they were on a um, a bike an electric bike at that and uh, so uh, lights flashing and and uh, uh, going everywhere and uh, we also had someone in one of the neighboring farms um, out probably shooting foxes or something like that um, all, all done. Um, for that sort of activity 
you know, by about nine o'clock. Um, so it wasn't such a big imposition. Um, but yeah, def- definitely interesting to think about uh, your sleep routine uh, because it does change quite a bit when you're out in the tent. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I think as I mentioned yesterday, getting getting in into a campsite nice and early and allowing yourself plenty of time to set up, uh, and particularly if you're not familiar with your equipment, once you become used to your tent and your sleeping bag and 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 you develop a routine, you know where everything is in your pack. It's very easy to unpack and set up, but particularly when you're starting out. Uh, camping for the first time you want to make sure you get here while it is still light uh, so you need to be aware of the sunrise and sunset times just so you can set up get to the campsite set up uh, and you're right to go i uh, i also think from a um from a courtesy point of view uh, when you're camping by yourself it's not an issue but when there's other people around getting to any campsite whether you're an experienced hiker or not um, setting up uh, which means when it comes time to go to bed, all you're doing is just getting into your tent, taking whatever clothing off and putting the nighttime clothing on and, and going to sleep. The last thing you want to be doing is is inflating your sleeping mats um, and unpacking everything. Um, we certainly have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we have. Um, so it's um, it, it's a good habit to get into. You know, get into get into camp, set up your tent, you know, get everything ready. So it means that if you know rainstorm comes through or uh, other people come through, you, you, you're not going to disturb anybody. So it works quite well. Um, Certainly for us, as I said, we, um, um, we're just going to go through and um, uh, our tea's just about, or our hot water's just about boiled for our tea, so we're going to have tea and have our breakfast. Um, we'll probably be here for a, probably another half hour, then pack up and head off. Now, I think um, certainly for a simple overnight sort of camps, there's no, there's no rush to, to go anywhere. We can we can hang around as long as we want. Um, you know, you know, had I been a, a heavier sleeper or a, a longer sleeper, I could have, you know, could have potentially stayed in bed for another hour or two. And I could have also, <laughs> despite Tim not being a heavier sleeper. <laughs> and certainly for me, when I do, do solo trips, I, um, I'll be up and I'll be, be moving and, and walking for the day by, by sort of 6, 6.30 at the latest, depending on, on how dark or how light it is. So um, and I think, again, on multi-day trips, you become a bit bit more tired at the end of the day. You tend to, to, to sleep quite easily and quite quickly. Uh, but as I said, I don't have a lot of sleep, so I don't need a lot of sleep, so uh, I'm up and moving. Uh, so it makes it, it makes it a bit easier to work with from there. All right, we'll just have breakfast and we'll pack up and uh, we'll start heading off. It's uh, 7.40 a.m. We've just gone through and packed up and uh, we're just about to head off back to the car and back home again. Temperatures 8.1, feels like 6.2 degrees, so it's remained reasonably constant. Very, very slight breeze getting up, um, but that's... uh, yeah, that's it's it's hardly even noticeable, and the, but the sun's sun's sort of broken the horizon now uh, over the trees and the hills, so it's uh, that's water warmed us up a bit. One thing, once you have packed up, that you want to go through and do is is do a good search around where you've camped, 
uh, and where you've been cooking and and where, and where you've actually had gear. It's pretty rare I don't go on a camping trip, particularly in a popular areas, and don't find at least a tent peg uh, that people have left behind, either deliberately because they couldn't get it out of the ground, and that sometimes happens, or they've just they've just missed it when they've been packing up their tent. So it's definitely worthwhile going through uh, picking up rubbish as well. Um, I've got a. Uh, a photo of um, uh, of the, how much rubbish we created, and it really wasn't that much. I mean, you want to try and minimise the packaging you bring with you, because again, you've got to go through and carry it out. Uh, cyclists just coming through on the trail. Uh, I would have actually expect a, expected a lot more people this morning, but as Jill pointed out, it's Mother's Day today, so I think a lot of people are spending time at home with, uh, with family. Um, but yeah, normally we do see a number of cyclists, a number of walkers, and we may see some by the time we actually finish. So sun's up now. It's quite uh, quite calm, quite pleasant. And um, yeah, looking forward to the gentle stroll, mostly downhill, back to the car. Mostly downhill, except for the first, uh, in about 45, 50 metres, we've got an, the uphill bit up to the top of uh, um, Oak Tree uh, uh, ridge uh, and then, then it's down from there. Uh, one thing I have done as well is um, I've gone back to just the, the single long sleeve top on. Um, I'm a tiny bit cool standing here but as soon as I put the pack on and start walking I'm going to warm up pretty quickly and you'll generally find that um, if you leave a jacket on or leave a couple of layers on and you start walking within five minutes you've warmed up quite a lot so it's really thinking about how warm are you going to be in a few minutes time uh, rather than how warm are you here standing not moving and again it's just a matter of experience uh, you'll you'll learn what's comfortable and what's not but I know that if I had left my uh, lightweight down jacket on I would have been too hot would have had to stop within about five minutes and put it away I didn't mention yesterday, uh, but have mentioned in the the article and the uh, the previous podcast, is when you go through and pack up your pack for the day, you want to go through and um, try and get things as organised as you possibly can. And we'll talk about how to pack a pack in a future episode. But realistically, I've got a small number of snacks for the the arduous three kilometre walk I've got out of here. <laughs> Uh, really, the walk's going to take probably about 45 minutes. Um, but I've got uh, some some snacks that are easy to get to. I don't have to stop, take the pack off, and uh, to access uh, access uh, uh, what I want to eat. Um, so you want to try and think about what you're doing during the day, what you need access to, and what can stay packed in your pack if, uh, until you until you absolutely need it. Uh, yeah. So. I think uh, Tim's right and sometimes we see people pulling their packs apart just to get to that one thing that they were hoping to uh, access. Um, Yeah, need to be thinking about that, but we'll give some guidance in a later episode about how to organise some things. We're just up the the top of the hill now uh, on Oak Tree Ridge. Um, About 62 metres uh, rise from the campground. It's not overly steep, and we've done just on a kilometre in distance. A um, bit more of a breeze up here, uh, coming up through the, the valley to the left of us. Uh, good views again over towards the, uh, towards the, the suburbs of Canberra. Um, and we've got probably, uh, well again, it's just on two kilometres to go, so it's not going to take us too long to get back to the car. Uh, but nice, pleasant walk so far today. 
just coming back towards the car park, probably got around about uh, 300 metres to go. Big flock of cockatoos and galahs just over on the left-hand side. Lots of kangaroos as well, uh, hopping around the place. So you may, may be able to hear the kangaroos, or sorry, maybe be able to hear the, the birds uh, at some point if they decide to lift themselves off. Um, they're all in chasing, looking after seeds. Uh, a few magpies. So much more bird life today than there was yesterday. So I'll just go and see if I can just get them to slightly move and see what happens. There we go, just nice, nice, should be some good photos out of that, nice little lift off. Um, but they, uh, they were making quite a lot of noise as we were approaching them, but they've quietened down a bit. So you can hear the, uh, hear the cockatoos now going off. So we're back at the car now, just finished our walk. Just watched a, a family with a dog off the leash uh, go for a walk into the uh, Mulligan's Flat Nature Reserve, uh, straight past the signs that say no dogs. And you know, particularly if you're gonna take a dog where there's lots of kangaroos around, uh, you'd, you, you'd wanna have it on a leash. So the dog's merrily chasing kangaroos and scaring kangaroos at the moment. So it, it often amazes me that people just, uh, just ignore that sort of thing. Um, Apart from um, the fact that uh, uh, the, the dog may do some damage to the kangaroos, there's some pretty big kangaroos in here and they can do some serious damage to the dog as well. In addition, um, there's also a nice big warning sign up here saying uh, there's been baits put down for foxes, uh, which are going to be attractive to dogs as well. So, again, any dogs off leashes uh, are likely to pick up some fox baits, which is going to end up killing the dog. Uh, so it's uh, uh, not good from a couple of fronts. All right, well, I hope that's given you an idea of, uh, of how an overnight camp works. Again, it's really the walking bit, if you're used to walking, is not that much different than what, what you should be used to. It's more around the camping side of things. Um, as, as we said at the start of this episode, this episode's designed to be read in conjunction with the written article and also listening to the previous article. Uh, so the three components go together to give you a good idea of how to, how to go for your first overnight night, uh, camp. Hope it's been, been useful for you. Thanks. See you again. As we indicated at the start of the episode, this was a, a long episode compared to what we normally do, but we thought it was worthwhile letting you go through and hear what a full trip sounded like. Uh, we hope this has been of some assistance and some help. As I said at the start of the episode, it's worthwhile going through and having a look at the written article, uh, if you haven't already done so, to have a look at the photos uh, and to uh, put some uh, images to the, the, the sounds and the voices that you're hearing. So we've provided a lot of guidance that um, will be helpful for you to be thinking about your first time overnight hike. There isn't a definitive list of things that you must do, that you must consider, um, it is guidance after all. So the point of this podcast and the article uh, that we've done really is to get you thinking about uh, what your plan's going to be, 
thinking about the sorts of things that are important for the site that you're going to, for the people that you're going to be um, hiking with, whether that's others, whether that's solo, um, and for you to have a plan and have a plan that's your plan and uh, really walk your plan and hike your plan. Um, so we hope you found it useful. We hope that there's uh, a little bit of um, insight in there into some things that you perhaps might not have thought about and uh, we hope that you're going to enjoy your first overnight hike. All right, as usual, this episode is available for download from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and through our website, the Australian Hiker website. If you have an opportunity, please go through and rate us on iTunes so we can get the message out there and get the website and the podcast found a bit more easily. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and the previous episode. We look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.